0: welcome to wednesday in westeros i'm taylor trask i'm todd a and we are back it is season seven episode five east watch and uh we're jumping right on in. it's it's happened we're talking about this on a tuesday night in between episodes and there's a lot to look at i think in this particular one todd how are you doing this week
1: I'm doing well. Uh, you know, we only got two more episodes left this season, which is not cool. Um, and then just to rub it in, not. I had a friend uh, the other day say like, oh, what are they wrapping this up in like a couple weeks? And I was like, no, dude, there's another whole season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a half So season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it just means we got to wait for another year or something for them to wrap it up. Um,
0: yeah, that's, that's, well, and maybe not even a year. It may go, shoot, I'm wondering at this juncture if we're going to get it in 2018. I really do.
1: I mean, please. I, really I You know, I just hope it's – like it would be even better if they just put it out by the end of the year. Just yeah, As soon as you're done, <sighs> put out the episodes.
0: <laughs> I, well, I know. And they could put – I mean, what they should do is just put them all at one – just drop them all on HBO Go just in one big bingeable weekend. Oh, my
1: god. That would be incredible. I uh, mean, that's
0: kind of what they need to do. Like, the, at the pace they're going, the last – I would say this whole honestly, season has yeah. been the most bingeable season, I think, since maybe one. Well, like, I wondered
1: – yeah, I wondered when to bring up this, uh, comment, but I've been, um, I've been seeing a lot of criticism online of like how quickly they're moving and like the time jumps, you know, where, (laughs) you know, they'll send a Raven and the very next scene is someone receiving it. And, uh, I'm all in favor of that. And
0: totally. I,
1: I mean, if anything to me, Game of Thrones has like, they really tested our patience for six years Mm -hmm. and, I you know I don't I, I I get that like there's some stuff that's happening pretty quickly. One of the co- criticisms I saw today was that these big reunions that should have like a more more emotional impact, and I assume they mean uh, like Jorah, um, are getting skipped over. You know, or just like pushed out because the next plot point has to happen. And I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> it's because they wasted so damn much time on you know like this crazy slave journey he had that went nowhere or whatever. Yep. I mean, it's like I, I'm uh, they you know. I'm totally in favor of this time jumping and this like. Speed well, we can resolve to everything.
0: We can take it one of two ways. We can take it the way it's going, which is like, hey, we're we're gonna sort of betray the pacing of the show up to this point because the because story is more important. Like just getting shit into the story canon and out is more important than sort of the mechanics of the show up to this point. I I like that. The other option is to do it, and I'll always use this comparison, what Lost did, which is, hey, we've set a tempo and we really don't want to mess with that. So even though we have like, you know, five seasons worth of story to cram into like a season and a half, we're just going to take our time. And that was, I think, universally agreed upon as not the best or optimal decision. So I I, I would rather... I just got kind of,
1: yeah, I'm with you. I got kind of worried in the first two episodes of the season that that's what they were going to do and that oh, this totally. sort of this short season was going to be all these slow dramatic unfoldings and the next season would be like sort of six big battles and i thought that would be that'll just be worse for the pacing you know oh totally but uh, overall i've been i've been pretty happy with this season in fact and it's made
0: well it's made sense too right it's made sense into the, the logic of the story for you know people might say well why we haven't dinners hasn't even attacked king's landing yet i'm like she doesn't need to no, right, no, no. it's like the Save way, yeah, but the, what they've shown us, like, ha, it it all makes logical story sense in the way that the show has set it up. They're not doing something crazy out of the ordinary just for spectacle or just to rush us along. Like, I mean, I'm actually surprised that the uh White Walkers haven't brought down the wall yet or haven't invaded. Like, I could I thought that may have happened by now. So, it's the fact yeah. that it's they're holding that card or that chess piece, um, to the either the Ned's head, which is this coming Sunday, or the final. Episode, which is more likely, I think is a I I love that I love that fact.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the show because I've I've got some notes on that for our sort of preview of next episode. But totally. what, overall, what were your general thoughts of this episode?
0: This episode was a little different for me, especially after last week, which, yeah. which was Spoils of War, right? Or no, not yeah, Spoils of War, um, which was just epic on every on every level. This episode felt almost like a season premiere. Right. It had sort of like, you know, if, yeah. if you take last week is almost like a finale episode. This was this almost kind of felt like it was reintroducing you to certain characters, you know, kind of just taking its time here and there. Um, and that's not necessarily good or bad. What struck me about this particular episode is that they are starting to play. I, this is the first time I definitively noticed the show starting to play fast and loose with details, just like Lost did. Like but what what's an
1: example of that?
0: So in Lost, they would tee up character. Oh, moments mean, or, well, let me, in let let me you okay. <laughs> but Like in Lost, they tee up character moments or 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 key things to never pay them off. Like they'd spend like five ten minutes, like, "Hey, this is a thing about this person," and then you'd never hear about it again. And I feel like like this is the first time, and and we see it oh. right out of the gate, where you know there's a whole big hullabaloo about Daenerys, you know, making everyone bend the knee or face you know extinction by fire. And kind of getting her mad queen on, that's followed up by a Varys-Tyrion scene where they're like, hey, something's wrong. And then just like, that was almost erased and she became just, you know, queen mom again by the end of the episode. And I'm like, are we not? Is that, I mean, and and I'll I'll reserve judgment until season's end because maybe they'll pay it off down the road, um, you know, in the next episode. But like, I just feel like this, its the, the cracks are starting to show a little bit at how fast they're moving and how sort of, you know, and, and I feel like it's, it's more indicative of the breakneck, right, breakneck writing pace than the actual story or show itself. Like I feel like they had to write these things so fast. They just didn't – I, I feel like some of these things could have used another draft or two. Um, you know, yeah. and there's also a lot – well, real quick. There's also a lot of scenes of convenience. Um, you know, like io9 points out this whole season, like, you know, we've had things like Sam – uh, you know, well, for example, in this episode, Sam just happens to be wheeling in some very important documents during a very important maester meeting, just so he can hear the information that's, you know, super duper important that brand sent. like, there's no reason Sam should have been walking in right then and there, but he was, you know, so like a lot of things that are kind of just happening that are, in my mind, unearned.
1: Well, I, I mean, it's you're kind of leaning into that criticism I brought up at the outset about it moving too fast. But I to me, uh, you know, S- Sam walking in, that's where you have the story, you know, I mean, if he didn't walk in at that moment, like, I, when, you know, we wouldn't have any any motivation for him to do anything, I think. Yeah, and, so.
0: and I get that. I get that. But there's I think there's a there. Benioff and Weiss and their their writing cohorts have proven they they typically reach for a higher standard. And like, I felt like that was almost like a lazy kind of like, well, will just, he'll just be there when it happens. And it's like, well, no, he could, he, there's
1: another way you could have done that, you know? Yeah, well, and, and I, yeah, I granted you're, you're right. Like that is them having to, you know, get, get with it. Like the, the writing pace of the show, you know, they don't, they didn't have time to like come up with different solutions for it. It was like, no, he's got to hear it. <laughs> Is and that, I'll talk you know.
0: well, and I'll talk more about Sam and just kind of the you know it's like we wasted so much time this season on some things we didn't need to that could have been better spent getting us to point A or B in these latter episodes. And I just feel like there's a disconnect. It's not hurting my enjoyment of the show, but it's starting to what what sort of was this like perfect system is kind of starting to show its wear and tear a little bit more as we we head towards the end. And I feel like honestly, it it, it and this is the writer and me coming out. I feel like they're more interested in Danny mowing down a bunch of Lannisters and the, and you know, the night King and all that. And like the little details to get us to those big moments aren't as interesting to them. So they're just kind of throwing them on the board. Whereas in seasons past, they would have, you know, they yeah, would have, kind would of have gotten been, in. Yeah. yeah. That the details would have been as important or just, you know, it were more interesting than the the end game. So I feel like it's kind of a little bit of a shift. I, again, I'm still rolling with it, but uh, you know, it's, it's worth pointing out.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, how to justify those two things. I, I grant that like what really, you know, drew us all into the show were those long character developments and things mm-hmm. like that. But, um, and I don't, I don't, you know, I know it's too harsh to say they, they wasted a bunch of time somewhere, but you know, I mean, I, 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 all, I, I, I don't know, you know, I just hope that when someone sits down and writes like a, you know, definitive criticism of, the song of ice and fire and it's adaptation game of thrones, they point out like, you know, there are some big flaws in, in adapting this work. And, and just in the novel and George Martin's novels too. I mean, they just, you know, like we've said, like I've said, at least over and over those last two go nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it's, You know, I mean, you talk about, like, empty exposition. I would much rather trade that for dragons mowing down Lannisters.
0: Let me ask you this. pretend Put yourself in the the minds and bodies of Benioff and Weiss, who have been working on this now for seven years. This is their seventh year, because they would have started in 2010, maybe before, but definitely in 2010, writing season one, which came out in 2011. Um, You know, like, they've been with this seven-plus years. If that were you, and you were adapting the same exact thing, would do you feel like you might get burnt out you know do you feel like you're like oh my god we've been doing this largely on our own you know because they they have some co-writers but they pretty much carry most of the the heavy weight do you think that they're just like kind of burnt out on this like they're already talking about their next hbo show which is also getting a lot of controversy um it just I, i wonder how how invested in this they still are Or if they're just like, man, we want to see the big payoff moments. We're just like, we're kind of burnt out. Does that, does that feel like something that would happen to you? Because I, as I put it in that context for myself, I think maybe, you know, if it was something I created that was solely mine, I don't think that would be as much of a problem. But if it's like, you know, they spent most of this time adapting another guy's work and they might love it, but they also might just be like, man, we just want to do our own thing. You know, does that, what do you feel about that?
1: I think I would be in, I have total sympathy for the writers of Game of Thrones. I think I would be in the same place. Like I would feel, you know, they started this probably thinking that, that Martin would be done with at least one more book, (laughs) which originally, well, originally it was going to be a trilogy. Then it was going to be five. Then it was going to be just one more to wrap up. Now it's going to be two more to wrap up. You know, it's like, uh, I, they, how, how could they have known that, you know, seven years in they would, they would not, have his instructions on how to end it so yeah exactly
0: well before we go on any further I'd like to introduce she's just flown in on her dragon Emily Kelly first of her name marker or sorry maker of video games mother of cats Khaleesi of fan theories the get turned, and of course ruler of her condo Emily Kelly welcome
2: hi this, I think the intro gets longer like every week but I kind of <laughs> like
1: it <laughs> it does I told Taylor I was adding things
2: i like khaleesi of fan theories that's my favorite
0: we're just gonna keep going we're yeah. just gonna keep going until and we'll just start playing purple you know like uh let's go crazy behind it you know, just like, yeah. <laughs> but this is a great it's a great time to bring you in emily um i don't know how much of that you heard but like what what was your overall impression of the episode and i guess take that into a bigger question what's your up to this point now what has been your impression of season seven uh thus far
2: well um For me, this episode was maybe my favorite Game of Thrones episode of all time. Mm -hmm. Because it was just like, there's just like so much to like in it. And there's, I mean, there's always stuff to like, But just like throughout this whole episode, I was just kind of like screaming with joy internally and sometimes externally, much to the grin of my partner of like, he's Mm -hmm. like, can you shut up? Like, they're still (laughs) talking. Um, But no, and I feel like... It's kind of funny, like as much as we complained about the other seasons, like oh my god, why is this taking ten thousand years? And then now there's complaints of like why is this so fast? <laughs> but for me, like I like because I don't like I like this breakneck speed that we're going into because uh-huh. it's like the last season of Lost. Of where they're just like, oh, my God, we only have 20 episodes or whatever to, like, get all this wrapped up, all this nonsense that we've created. Like, oh, my God, we have to do this. And so it was, like, a bunch of characters died. Sorry if you haven't seen Lost. It's been, like, six years. My bad. But, like, you know, they solved a lot of questions. And I think that's just what they're doing for this. Wow. They're like, we only have 14 more episodes to wrap up this whole thing. Like, we kind of have to get things like that. Because I'm... I was sick of like these plot lines that take 10,000 years.
0: I will argue that Game of Thrones is actually p- applying itself to, to solving those mysteries and problems, unlike Lost. But I, oh I, yeah, I, exactly. Like true, true. And then like the
2: pay, the payoff is much more gratifying because you're like, yes, Gendry's back! Oh my god, it's is And Not just like, oh, so he was the small monster this whole time. Like, okay. Great.
0: <laughs> you, you raise well, a good point, though. This is an episode wait, of a lot oh of payoffs, god. a lot of yeah. uh, both both big and small. And we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of them. I guess you want to just jump right into the the nuts and bolts of the episode. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start. Let's start after what I'm gonna call after the fire. Um, you know, after last week's just bloody amazing, um, mm-hmm. cl- you know, cliffhanger slash just awesome feat of television that you know we've been waiting years for. Of course, you got to see what happens next. And what happens is. You know, Daenerys is there. She's, you know, all the La- the surviving Lannisters, if there are any, um, are kind of hanging around. And of course, we find out right off the bat, Jamie and Braun are alive. You know, who'd have thought? And uh, Braun has dragged his heavy ass out of the bottom of that lake. Was that <laughs> was that surprising to anybody? Did anybody think that that wasn't going to happen so effortlessly?
1: Mm-hmm. I no. Yeah, I thought it would be effortless, but I did wonder if they would be captured. I was honestly a little surprised with them emerging several miles down the river.
0: Yeah, that is a little (laughs) weird. And you know, Daenerys saw it happen. So it's it's not like she's like, "Oh, I wonder where they went." She's like, "No, no, you saw them jump right into that lake." Like, so did Tyrion. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's like and then, and then there's this weird thing where they set up the secret meeting later between Tyrion and Jamie. They could have gotten there if they'd just taken them prisoner and then said, "Oh, you know what? Why don't we have Tyrion deliver Jamie to Cersei and they can have this sort of Oh my god. Armistice well, I, talk."
0: See, right? Okay, right there perfect example <laughs> of what would have happened I think in seasons past. And I'm just like that like that seems like a classic benioff Weiss move.
1: Well, it's but, I don't uh, think we want to see Jamie as a prisoner again. I mean, then yeah. it's like we're just repeating the same crap over and over. So but I, Tyrion
0: I, I, as his captor, I think it would have been it had a little different context. You know, they were gonna like knock off his hand again or anything like that. You know, he was it was almost like a it was almost like a you know a political prisoner, you know, more than just a prisoner prisoner. But I don't know. I <sighs> I, you know, there's been a lot of consternation about, well, Jamie's armor weighs X amount of pounds. And, you know, there's no way another single man could have dragged him all the way up. Braun must've been really strong. And, I'm just like, those are the details I don't really care about. Like, I'm like, it doesn't. who cares? Like, it's... It yeah, happened. it's
2: also like she burst three dragons from a fire and <laughs> but, stone eggs, okay? But you're worried you. about the, the the weight of his armor. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. it's fine.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but we... So we see those guys. They make it out. Daenerys is then... And I love the shot of Drogon kind of... Oh, my God. ...slumbering on top of the hill. And, like, I, I will say this about this show. They so, so, so understand how to, like, render cgi dragons like the everything we saw last week and this week drogon looks killer like literally and figuratively like he looks amazing and dangerous as hell Like, and just the fact that he's kind of like a lazy cat you know who's just got done playing mm-hmm. like hanging out on the mountain while you know his mom is is reading everybody the riot act i thought that was just a cool looking shot and i love too where you know daenerys is like she's doing her spiel that we saw in the trailer she's like bend the knee or die and like you know right away like, you know, a bunch of a bunch of guys like immediately bend the knee. And I'm like, yeah, that probably would have been me. Like, I'm, not, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not screwing around here. I you clearly are the the winner here. Well, and uh, in fairness
1: goal. to Daenerys, uh, because I give her so much crap, she it wasn't really that tyrannical. It was very no. it was very level headed and like we're gonna stop the wheel that it just crushes all of everyone except for the Cersei's of the world under it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I she yeah, she was saying, like, I'm not gonna be your Cersei, and which I thought was, you know, that that's that's where she should be. That was a good. Thing until for her. well, until she
0: burns Dick Dickon on his dad. Who well never did you have a problem with that? I I didn't have a problem with his dad, <laughs> but it just it if I was one of the Lannisters and I'm like, okay, or one of the army anyway, and I'm like, okay, we know Cersei blew up the sept, and we know like, you know, uh, They, you know, during the Battle of the Blackwater, they just burned everybody with with wildfire. Here's our potential new queen, you know, and and yeah, she said, I I have to do it. I can't make empty threats. But just the fact that, you know, this she could have made an exception or could have maybe finessed that a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It just, it almost, I would have, if I was bending down right then, I would have been like, I, this kind of feels like more of the same to some some extent. You know, she's just burning whoever crosses her.
1: Um, Emily, you stood up for a, (laughs) <laughs> the Tarleys' loyalty to uh uh you know um whatever house they were Terrell the house that they were pledged yeah, to. Tyrone. So how do you feel Tyrone, about this yeah. this burning?
2: Uh, um I mean it was sucky and I think you could kind of see it like really in like I could see it on both sides where you know Tyrion was right to argue like you can't just go around burning a great house of Westeros, you know. You know that doesn't make it makes people afraid of you it doesn't make people want to follow you that kind of logic and i get that but she was right of like i need to make sure that they know that i'm serious like that i can't just say hey bend the knee or die and then not kill anyone like that and she and she was i think she was very respectful to him to tarly like she called him my lord and and, you know, allowed for this argument with Tyrion of, you know, that the son would be spared and whatever. I think she went around it, it went about it in a good way. But it, it, it's kind of sucky that it has to happen. Even though in the books, Randall Charlie is like way, way more of a dick because we see him a little bit more <laughs> dick and dick. And. Um, so it's kind of weird, but I think it puts us in this position now where like Sam is in a really like I mean, awkward sort of position. If he, he doesn't know yet but he's, I mean, he's, he's
0: essentially lord of of the of that house now isn't he yeah like,
2: i mean it, from a technicality the father had disowned him and that's why he went to the wall originally but i'm sure that they could make an argument like look he's dead and my son, this is my last remaining son and blah 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 you know like I'm sure something will come about it. I don't know if he'll actually be named Lord of, of Horn Hall but, or Horn Hill, whatever it is. Um, but it does make it very interesting now that Sam could be a bigger player in the game just besides, you know, reading books
1: and well, not listening to I'll, his
2: girlfriend. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you what's just, what's just shocking is that I am on the other side of this. <laughs> mm. Totally, what? Totally in favor of Dickon and Randall uh, getting burned. Yeah, like, I'm not sad about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just thought the whole, uh, you know, w- the last of their house kind of thing was a weak argument. And um I, I almost wish Daenerys had been stronger and said, like, yeah, they participated in wiping out that other great house. So now their house pays. Ooh,
0: good. Uh, that's so Yeah. I, I was, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I th- I just thought, yeah, you, I mean, uh, Tyrion could have been more, uh, I, I, I don't know. I appreciated Tyrion sticking up there because he is, the westerosi like you know lord he's he's in that world and she's not but so i thought that was true to his character but he could have been a bigger critic of your loyalties seem flexible i would have yeah. said it seems uh, like you don't have any loyalties
0: yeah that's so why, why don't point. you
1: shut up and take the black um <laughs> yeah anyway that's a good
0: po- well let me ask you i don't this want to thing, that like- no, but that's I like your I like your context there. So you you're painting this to be pretty reasonable, which then almost makes Tyrion and Varys' dialogue, right, that we see next almost all the more worthless because that's that was that thing where you know they they tease it up in the trailer. Varys is like, you need to get her to listen, and it's just like it had all these like overtones and foreshadowing of like she's the her mad king tendencies are coming out oh my god and it just it didn't go anywhere and it's like and especially if you todd had that point of view i'm sure many others did too like what was the point of that scene if anything you know it was just another
1: wasted sort of scene i mean we always sort of bring it up to make fun of it i think but or i do uh maybe in george r R. martin's outline to benioff and weiss it said there's like a bullet point that was like (laughs) Varys and Tyrion will discuss whether she is a mad queen and so they're like yep check that off yeah. <laughs> <I'm definitely laughs> well he sure
2: does that. say too like she's not her dad or whatever like she's not Aegon yeah. or a- a- Aerys or whatever and so but still yeah it was like I just think of it too like I always bristle it seems like that of like don't keep trying to tell her what to do like hey yeah. men folk like she she he knows what she's doing, like you were the ones who gave her all this terrible advice before, and now she's getting it for herself and she's finally winning. Like, you know, I think that they still have this sense that they need to be in control of her yeah. and they need to just check themselves and buy some dragons. <laughs>
0: It was kind of like a Jewish mother scene, you know, like you know, like uh, the young upstart son is off doing something. And they're just like, I don't understand. He's he's really putting himself out there. I'm a little nervous. He's gonna he, he's 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 too much. He needs to pull back a little bit. It just it was that sort of had that vibe to it where they're just you know they're like. you Just gossiping behind the scenes, not really doing anything, not really not giving it any meaning or purpose. And I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more perturbed by scenes like that only because that's five to seven minutes now that could have been used for something else that, you know, we need, they need to get a little bit more efficient on where they're putting their time unless Todd, like you said, it's just a checkbox. (laughs) <laughs> Which hilarious if that's that's the case. I'll well, tell now you, I,
1: I do want uh, Woody Allen to come in playing that character that you ah. just uh, embodied. Um, I mean,
0: that's, that's what Varys reminded me of. He's just like, I don't know. She's a little worrisome. I'm just like, Varys, come on. You, you knew what you signed mm-hmm. up for. You knew what this was all about. You knew what yeah. she's going to do. This shouldn't be surprising to any of you.
1: I, it's either it's like they've planted it because later on she's going to do something else and they're going to wonder about it, or mm-hmm. it really, you know, it just feels like kind of a checkbox thing. I think in seasons past, they would that would have been a developing thing, yeah. but you know, it's sort of a nod to the past uh, way yeah. of storytelling, but mm-hmm. they just can't dwell on it. They don't have any time. Well, something that is, I'm sure, a
0: checkbox. Is Jon meeting Drogon face to face, man to dragon, uh, which was it? a glorious scene, largely dialogue-free um, and just epic. Again, Drogon looked amazing, but uh, just that was a really cool thing to see. Um, Emily, I mean, how how does that feel to you, knowing kind of you know just how much you love you know Daenerys? Does that that play well for you, Emily?
1: We've got a bad signal, Emily. We've got
0: a bad signal. We, you can call back in. Todd, I'll ask you that question while she calls back in. What how did that play for you, the
1: John the Dragon Master scene? Um, I really uh I I mean I just love the way it was shot. And I really loved like her, um, you know, Daenerys sort of peeking out, um oh you know, over like peeking over the dragon to see what Drogon was how okay. Drogon was reacting to John.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, you know,
0: um, I mean, she was giving him some pretty serious doomy eyes, though. Let's be honest. Like, oh, yeah. this is the this is the first time where she's like, "Ooh, who's that? Wow, he's he he likes my my pet." Well, not not a pet. It's like she like he likes my kid. Like, this is it. it did kind of feel like you know, like that's that, that uh, single mom meeting like the dad, you know, the the dude who'd be really nice to her kids. You know, just kind of had that vibe to it. I I don't know how much creepier that makes that. I'm one of those people who I I kind of don't care. I mean, they've, the show has firmly established the fact that incest is kind of acceptable in some levels on this in this world. It is, you know, this is probably the, we've talked about this. We talked about it last week. It's, I feel like, you know, it's if they end up hooking up, I'm not going to be so I'm not going to be put off by it. I think it kind of needs to happen. You know, yeah. at this juncture,
1: I think um, it's and- a foregone conclusion. Well, I, I say that because Benioff and Weiss said it in one of the after-show things. I mean, not I a- that they didn't like totally confirm it. They just said like obviously they have to start falling for each other.
0: So. I have a th- I have a little theory I'm going to throw out there. Then this is I'm not at all original, um, but it occurred to me during that scene, that a song of ice and fire could easily refer to their child.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's not unheard of because where is the reference to that? Um, I believe it's I, there's something about. Someone singing a song of ice and fire, and I think it's Rhaegar. So I think it's sort of like Rhaegar was singing a song of ice and fire when John was born. So mm. um because
0: there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of discussion around is John the like you know, is his half Targaryen, half Stark lineage is that like is he really the focal character? And I bring this up because back in the day, like George R. R. Martin was first approached long before the show started to adapt Game of Thrones as a movie, and the whole pitch was Make Jon Snow the lead character. We'll follow his journey. So we would have, we would not have seen hardly any of the other stuff we've seen. Like you know, uh, Ned and King's Landing, all that stuff would have been cut. You know, we would have maybe heard about it or you know seen reference to it. But it would have been Jon Snow's journey. Um, glad that didn't happen. But just the fact that that was kind of the pitch makes me wonder if Jon Snow is like you know, if at the end of all this, if if we're if we're you know we're kind of plotting which characters you know, have to make it to the end, which might get knocked off. I wonder if he outlives Danny.
1: I don't think either of them is going to outlive the other. Mm. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think there's a, I mean, you mentioned the, the, like their child being the song of ice and fire, but at least book wise. And I think in the show, it's been confirmed. Like she can't have any more kids. Oh, Um, I did
0: not catch that at all. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Emily and I talked about that. Um, I think we, we mentioned it. We may have mentioned it on the preview that just Emily and I did. Mm. Um, that uh, Daenerys it can no longer have children after the, like, witch, uh, um Mari, Maz, Dura, oh, or whatever, worked yeah. her spell to save Drogo. So. Yeah.
0: Let's move on, though, to probably one of the, again, more frustrating, I don't want to call it a waste of time so much, but just, it was, again, just a frustrating scene, and that's Sam and Gilly all, over in Old Town. And you know we we start uh, we talked a little bit before about the scene where Sam comes into the maester meeting, and you know that it was what it was, and Jim Broadbent's you know trying his hardest to sell that scene, but it just kind of felt again to me a little a little limp. I and mean, that could have happened any number of ways, um, but I think what what was more interesting was just his scene with Gilly. And I remember I, I as that was going on I I would you Todd, I was just like dot 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 that scene where Sam wonders why the hell he brought Gilly along. And I don't know well, if that's
1: she's the only one that's like learning the information that we all want to know. I mean,
0: yes, but 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 you don't start by going, "Guess how many windows there are in the Citadel." Guess how many stairs there are. Guess I'm just like, "Oh God!" And like you could just see Sam going, yeah,
1: guess, "Guess who Rhaegar married?" <laughs> yeah, it just dropping. But casually. she
2: doesn't know. She didn't know like any of that. She didn't know who any of these people are. She's just like reading a list of names.
1: Yeah yeah exactly to her it's all the same as like how many bowel movements he had
0: <laughs> oh that's true. You know, okay yeah, fair enough. like she has no she doesn't you know but she does know like at this point she should know kind of what does and doesn't annoy sam or like how to get his attention about something important i would think i mean they've been together now for a
1: while sam um, is also frustrated yeah the, i mean he he's frustrated with the with the maesters um so and I And I'm not saying
0: I, well, let me let me clarify that.
1: I, don't I honestly wanna, I, I thought he was I mean, he was totally in the wrong in that whole scene.
0: He was. And I don't want to I don't want to give anybody the impression that I think Gilly should be a you know good little maester's wife and you'd be dutifully looking after her. Like that's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting though is that like, you know, she clearly can read. She's got, you know, she's interested in stuff. It would be I wish that they would have treated that if she had just started with the whole Rhaegar thing, he could have still been, you know, distracted and annoyed, but it would have been like, oh wow, Gilly's really showing showing some uh some steam here and instead it's just like that same old gilly patter that's just like oh god really like i just i felt viscerally what sam was sam's face was doing
2: <laughs> poor sam i think he was just like it was like the straw that broke the camel's back like he was so um just like upset about everything else that he just kind of like took out on her but um i mean like Whatever the manner it was delivered in, this is like one of the most important pieces of information that we've ever been given.
1: Yeah, in let's the whole not series. Let's not skip over it. It was a big deal. Yeah, like yeah.
2: like it's a super big, and it's kind of funny like that she's the one that like got to tell us Like, like 'cause she's such a ancillary character but i think that's kind of like george r R. martin's like thing like he likes to give big pieces of information to characters like main characters from characters that you don't really think matter but Mm. then he makes them matter Mm -hmm. um because for this like there was always if you were in the camp like the l plus r equals j camp like Mm -hmm. i was for so many years like you always thought like there was something more to these stories, like that Robert Graffian said that she was kidnapped, that she was raped, like all this stuff. like that there's this long standing stuff about that they were in love and that Rhaegar really loved her. And this really does wonders to prove not only prove that he was in love with her, but now it means that Jon is a true born Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Even if it's still secretly trueborn, like that—that that matter. It'll it will matter. It will be a big deal, not just to John, but like just to the greater world of us who have this impression of Rhaegar Targaryen, and to to Danny probably too, to know that her brother was was a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, do you I, think- I just like as soon as they talk about it, I got chills. I was like, oh my god! Like I can't believe they're telling us this.
1: Yeah, on one hand, with the first time I watched it, it felt like that information happened so quickly. Like I was screaming at the screen, like, holy shit. And then when I rewatched it, I I realized, no, it actually took like a minute or so for her to get that out the annulment back and forth, you know, conversation. And, and it was just great that that information, like, you know, I perceived it as happening so quickly when, when it was set at a pretty normal pace, it wasn't totally slipped in there. It was It was delivered. Like we got all the information we needed, I think. But Emily, do you think that's one of those things that may have been in George Martin's outline that he gave to Benioff and Weiss and said, you know, here, they really did get an annulment? Or do you think this is something the showrunners have just made up?
2: Um, I think that the, that is probably correct, like that he always meant to reveal that. So, I mean, just from a, a geographical uh, lesson about Westeros, where um, Ned that we saw, where Ned gives birth, or where Leanna gives birth to John, John Snow, whatever his Targaryen name is, um, is in ja- Dorne. Jaharis. <laughs> Jaharis. yeah. So the Tower of Joy is in the Red Mountains of Dorne. And so the Ooh. fact that it that they had said, oh, he, they went down to the secret ceremony in Dorne, really right. lends credibility to this whole thing. Like that maybe she was already pregnant, and then they went down to Dorne, and and she had been living there um, in secret while she was pregnant, and then after the war, that she was still down there. So I mean, I think he 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 definitely planned to reveal all this kinds of information to us. Mm. I
0: that's I for some reason, did not realize the Tower of Joy was in Dorne. Like, that's a very... That's a crucial kind of little detail there. And um,
1: I, don't we know why Rhaegar left her in the Tower? Ta- I mean... Uh, yeah. Do you know? Anyone? I mean, he
2: yeah, like, it's not... I don't know if they ever say it outright, but it's basically like Robert Baratheon is pressing in. Um, you know, they're winning the war, this rebellion. And Rhaegar just... You know, I think he did it to shield her and to try to lead Robert Baratheon away from wherever they were, Um, because that's why Robert Baratheon goes to the Trident, um, which is in the Riverlands, I believe. Mm. And so then Ned goes to Dorne to try to retrieve Lyanna. And I think that Rhaegar led Robert Baratheon to the field of battle purposefully so that Mm. he would never know that that child was not his son. Mm -hmm. that the child was Rhaegar's and not Robert Baratheon's because they weren't yet married. Um, That's that would be my guess. Um, And also, I think Rhaegar was just kind of a he he loved his dad, despite his terrible qualities. And I think he just, you know, he would have felt bad um, not, uh, you know, coming up to the challenge, being called out like that.
0: Right. What's in, what's cool about all of that is that it we never like there's never a flashback at least yet where like we see Rhaegar. It's we we know about Rhaegar purely from other people's stories about him or from the the hole he left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the you know kind of the legend of like, which is kind of cool. Like it kind of makes this like mythic. He's almost like a mythic character in that sense. You know, like in just the fact that his. You know, John, being his son demonstrates a lot of what's you know, good about Lyanna, but also good and wonderful about and true about Rhaegar. Like we get mm-hmm. to kind of get glimpses of him from all these different angles to create the character. It's almost like his ghost is kind of constantly present in the show. And it's just the story, which is, I, I love. I love that. That's
2: yeah, it's um, cool. Let
0: me ask you both this. Should Sam have left Old Town? Is that a good decision?
1: Uh, again on my first watching of the episode i it felt rushed and i didn't understand it like it just felt like this is not really in character for sam for him to get so flustered and leave but on you know i i know it's been building he's you know he's been flustered by many the slow pace of things in the citadel uh but on my second watching um you know noticing how many scrolls he grabs uh i was a little bit better with it i just felt like dude all the information is in the citadel why don't you just stay there and secretly send ravens
0: yeah Um, yeah like
1: you know he's got the sword he's now the lord of his house i think i think they had to get him out of there quicker and george r R. martin's already left him there for like two whole gigantic novels so
2: (laughs) yeah
1: yeah (laughs) book six could just open with like and then sam rejoined john and we would be yeah yeah where do you think he's gonna go though from here Maybe back to his house? I don't know.
2: Yeah, because I think it is legit on the way, because that's why they went there before. Like, Well, right. he, first they, he was going to go there because he wanted to leave Gilly or whatever, and then the dad said no. But I think it, it, they would have to go through the Reach to reach uh, reach the Reach, <laughs> to go back to the Wall or wherever Sam plans to go or go to Winterfell to be with John. So I definitely think that he will stop by Horn. I'm pretty sure it's called Horn Hall. Or Hornhill. Hornhill. And um Hornhill. Yeah. And that'll be crazy because he doesn't yet know that his dad and brother are dead. And um I think that could be sort of a sort of a game changer if they do like we, we talked about earlier, but like if he is made the the Lord of Hornhill, he is now a pretty powerful player in Game of Thrones as that almost everyone else in the reach is dead, like that their houses yeah. are gone. So yeah.
0: Interesting. Well, let's move on to Tyrion, Jamie, and Jamie, Cersei. I'm going to kind of lump these all together, um, just Lannister sibling stuff. I think, you know, in terms of uh, both of those scenes, because Jamie, you know, is, is the kind of the key character in both, it, we see again, Jamie, um, you know, he's kind of proving himself the less adept sibling. You know, Cersei and Tyrion are always the, the fast thinkers, the more intelligent ones. And Jamie is not, he knows it. Um, you know, he's knows he's not as smart as Tyrion, and 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 seriously, and I love the fact that of all the actors on the show, I I would give credit to Nicola Costa Waldo, to he's really taken a character and has evolved it on a really nice organic line from the very first episode, where he was you know the villain of the show, him pushing Bran out that window kind of teed off everything. Hero. Um, and it was such a dick move, <laughs> and now he's he's um. Now he's like, you know, he's got some, he's still got some dickish qualities, but he's got a lot of complexity and he knows his kind of place in the Lannister family. And it was just interesting to see him, you know, have to face Tyrion in in one context and then face Cersei in a different context and how he reacts to both. And you get to kind of see, you know, I'm not sure there's as much love, brotherly love as there once was. And I think there's even more love between him and uh, he and Cersei now, um, I don't know, does that, does that Tyrion-Jamie scene, did that do anything for anybody?
1: Take it away, Emily.
2: Um, I just really... You're totally right about Nikolai. Um, he's really come a long way. Just, I mean, the character too, but as an actor as well. And he's really great, especially in these last couple episodes. of When he first sees Tyrion and he is doing this thing like that men always do when they're trying not to cry is when they're trying not to look at you or they're, like, tightening their jaw a lot. <laughs> and that's what he was doing. Like, you could see the tears in his eyes and this this kind of, like, tightening of his jaw. Like, I don't know really what he was thinking of, whether he was good, like, it was glad to see Tyrion or he was still feeling this, like, hurt of betrayal of killing their dad. Like, but he just, like, there's so many, yeah, like, all at once. Like, there's so many emotions that, like, went through his face that was so beautiful and, like, so well-acted. Um I don't, you know, it's, I definitely think there's a lot of love loss there. I still think he really loves Cersei, but I think he's a little bit more wary of Tyrion now, especially with that he's with Daenerys. It was definitely an interesting, a very interesting scene. And it was kind of what we've been hoping for that like Braun was kind of the, the bridge of these two characters again, yeah. um, that he was the one that brought them together.
0: It did show. I I did like the fact that there wasn't a lot of sentiment between Tyrion and Bronn. He just like he left as soon as he hooked those two guys up. He just he you know moves on, which is very you know I like. like, But I like that (laughs) because like from the beginning Bronn himself said like I'm just I'm just a sellsword man. I'm not your friend.
1: Yeah, and they reiterated that at the beginning of the episode, where it was like, yeah, yeah you're a your war, you. pal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that, because uh, Braun's a cool character. You want to, like, if you want him to be more virtuous than he is, and it's nice that the show reminds you that I, that ain't just going to happen. You know, it's he might have a cool moment later on, but, like, he's still going to be basically kind of a scumbag, and it's nice to kind of get that that check. I did, like... Tyrion's sort of breakdown at, you know, just the thought of Tywin. You know, he's like he he kind of cracked. He's like he knew I was innocent and he was going to have me executed. He's like what the what the hell do I do with that? You know, and Jamie didn't really have a good
1: answer. Well, I think and back to Emily's point about like, you know, what what Jamie was feeling in that moment. I think Jamie had had made this choice that he could live with, which was he told himself that he would kill Tyrion if you know, I'll let him go, but I will kill him if I see him again. Mm-hmm. and that sort of allowed him to be with Cersei and kind of suspend his disbelief or you know suspend his judgment of Cersei like he can live with this obvious lie that he's mm-hmm. telling himself about about Cersei um if he lets if he never has to see Tyrion again Tyrion's sort of like his uh, you know the the conscience of the family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so Ooh,
0: i like that i like that um yeah. Do you think – okay, so speaking of lies, do you think Cersei's pregnancy thing is true or false? Is
1: she faking it? She's not faking it. Think I
2: think it's real for sure. Yeah. And it's funny because like they all aged up in the show compared to the books. But like in the in the books, she's still only like late 20s, early 30s. Like she could still definitely get pregnant um, even in that world. I mean it will be – hard i'm sure but no i think she's for for real pregnant which is ah. another sort of like game changer of like oh god like now she has something legit to fight for again
0: i'm gonna say i'm gonna take the road that she's faking it i think this i think she after seeing the utter devastation of the dragons and knowing jamie's like uh we can't do this that was kind of her last card to play it's her going I, I, i'm gonna lose my brother's loyalty if you know here pretty quick if i don't sucker him in somehow and that's she knew that would be the easiest way the only caveat to that where i could be convinced otherwise is that quiburn was hanging out in her room before jamie walked in and he pointed it out he's like why was he in here she's like he's my hand," and i'm just like yeah but what was he doing like anytime quiburn's anywhere some some dark <laughs> shit's going on somewhere yeah you know so I, like-
1: yeah i agree with your evidence like that is the way she can hook jamie you know even more into this but I don't know. Th- I think the other thing is, like you said, uh, that she, you know, this was the only way she could kind of get him over the destruction that that you know she saw with the dragon. But she didn't actually see that destruction, and he did. I mean, I know that was your point, but uh, I got the impression from that scene that she still doesn't really believe that they are as screwed as they are. You oh, know, totally. here's Jamie trying to give her the straight truth. Like, you, we, there's no way we can win against the Dothraki and Three Dragons. Yeah. And she's yeah. she's doing everything she can to avoid facing that reality. It was but her I Donald do, Trump I, moment.
0: <laughs> I do think she's,
1: <laughs> I do think she's There's going
0: to be so much winning in Westeros. So much winning. Yeah. You're going to be sick of it. <laughs> don't ask me how. Don't ask me what the plan is. Just understand that there will be winning. That's all. <laughs> Cersei out. She's. <laughs>
2: We just laugh to keep from crying basically at this Yeah. Point. yeah exactly. Um, but she yeah. does
1: we have no prophecy saving us. But she yeah. she has <laughs> or, and it's not that it's gonna save her, but she has that prophecy that she will only have three children. Yeah.
0: Um, well then so, that's okay. So that that done. said, and I mean, is that you know conceived children? Like, is there a technicality there? Cause that was the other thing playing in my mind. I'm like, She already hadn't lost her
1: kids. Like this kid, this new kid. No, because she's already had a stillborn child before the three. Oh, yeah, Jamie. She had a stillborn with Ro- that was Roberts. Roberts. Oh, yeah. God, I forgot all this stuff. I'm learning so much. She tells? Does she tell Cat about it? She tells I someone about like there's a real tearful scene where she says, "I lost this dark haired boy." Blah blah blah.
2: I don't remember. Maybe it was Ned. I think it was Ned. She would talk about the hair color.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally um, what set and, Ned off yeah. on the whole thing, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you want You guys want to know a fun fact from the yes. books about um, sex and contraceptives in and, and Westeros? So Cersei has, like, this whole big speech about Ned or whatever, like, before about, like, how she never got pregnant from Barbara Baratheon. There's also this thing that they talk about in the books called Moon tea. And it's basically like an abortion, I suppose, like a like a contraceptive that you can drink. And I think that's what yeah. Quiburn was asking her, is that oh, he was asking her, like, do really
1: you, want to take,
2: you want to take, you know, this moon tea and not be pregnant? And she's like, no, I'm good.
1: Like, that I want to have this. Great deep dive there. You're totally. right. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> do you all want to know a crazy fact from the real world? Uh, yeah. That's what penny royalty is. Um and so there's this oh, really? r- there's this nirvana song about penny royalty tea and and the line is like sit and drink penny royalty, tea it will distill the life that's inside of me uh, oh. that's what he's that's what he's talking about the tea that would bring about a uh, a miscarriage mm.
2: interesting so when i, I read
1: Moon tea in the books i was like oh yeah like penny royalty, tea like that weird nirvana yeah. fact i know that's awesome <laughs> Lots of good facts and... and uh, yeah. Nothing like abortion talk to...
2: <laughs> <Sad. laughs>
1: Rind conversation to all. Well, let's talk about a character that wasn't aborted, who's
0: back. <laughs> the best <laughs> oh my of all time. <laughs> Jeez, um, this, is, this was the episode that we finally got our answer to is Gendry still rowing? And the answer is, in fact, no. no. He's back. <laughs> he's back. And not only is he back, he's... Not wasting any goddamn time on any time. Yeah, love it. I know. That was- <laughs> it's, like, it's like Davos, like, uh, poor Davos. He was, like, you know, ready to give this whole spiel. And Jinder's like, I'm ready now. He just brings his bag. You know, he's like, he's got everything <laughs> packed. It's like every day. I had this this vision of him every day going into his forge, Um, yeah. you know, packing his bet his knapsack, getting everything ready. He's like, okay, just in case something happens today, I'm ready to go. You know, I've said my goodbyes. You know, I haven't kept many friends. Um, I just I just love the efficiency, and it keeps happening throughout the rest. Every time we see him in other oh, yeah. scenes, he's just he's, like, Yep. Yeah, um, I'm Gendry. You know, like his scene with John is hilarious because Davos is like, now your name is he's made up a fake name for him. He's like, Clovis. Your name is <laughs> yeah, Clovis, and you don't say this and you don't say that. And he's like, Hi, I'm Gendry, I'm Robert Bracken's son, and our dads were friends, and I'm gonna be your friend. And John's yeah. just like, Okay, <laughs> uh, right, yeah, sure. Good. And davos is really? just like, Why the hell am I here?
1: Well, but it's perfect. <laughs> and there's so many minor characters, like, to your point uh, that we open the show with, like, about, you know, where we're like, speeding through some things. Like, that's mm-hmm. exactly like Gendry. I mean, he was not that he, he was a minor character, but he was never one of the main, you no. know, protagonists. He was always, like Emily said, an ancillary character. And so, yeah, to reintroduce him, we don't need a whole story about, like, where he's been. Like, just get him back in there, which is the thing George Martin would not do i mean that guy's got like hundreds of pages on the grave digger who's probably the hound in (laughs) books four and five yeah and it's like dude just tell us it's the hound like that's what happens with reek you read half this book before you realize it's theon yeah
2: so yeah
1: yeah, that's how that's how you bring an ancillary character back. But I, I love, love that he it. interrupted Davos when Davos. He's was like, arrived. We're
2: ready. I'm ready. Let's, yeah, I'm let's ready. leave now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah Davos is ready ready to read
0: him like his whole like recruitment recruitment spiel. It's just like, no, we're ready. I do love, love the fact that they gave us our fan servicey moment where Davos is like, I thought you'd still be rowing. And I'm like, ah <laughs> I think we all kind of rejoiced on that. That was that was lovely. I, I'm so glad they put that in there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, this was another of the scene before, like, when they read the Rhaegar thing. This was another one when, when Davos says, I have business in Flea Bottom. I just go, oh. <laughs> oh my god I was, like hitting, I was like hitting peter like oh my god this is it like he's coming back like oh my god and then you go to the this the street of steel and it's and it's him i was just like screamed a little bit because i was like oh my god like this was such a cool way to like bring him back finally and i think yeah. they said like the, the showrunner said like it wasn't a question of if we were gonna bring him back it was how like and this was yeah. such a good way to bring him back
0: I didn't even think, and when he said flea bottom, that didn't even occur to me until we saw the Smith, yeah, uh, the Smith Forge, and I was like, oh my god! So like you, yeah. you noticed it way before. I will. Well, like, he said,
2: yeah, because he said like when Davos sends him off in the boat, like they talk about it when he's locked up, like oh, I grew up in flea bottom too, and then they like flea bottom each other, like talk, like did you really? You know, they flea have to always each like, other. go back. That <laughs> so they like go back and forth, like but I grew up in the street. He's like I grew up in the so like that's how they bonded. And then when he said he travels told him to get in the boat and like go row for king's landing go this way and he's like are you sure that's what i should do and he's like no he says it back to him in the scene of like you were right like this is i'm right under the queen's nose and she never knew so as yeah. soon as he said flea yeah. i'm like oh my god we're gonna get to see him finally that's
0: so cool what do you think his end game is is in this story and and take that along with the fact that he's got this and hammer that he forged that looks just kick-ass which is that Do either of you know, is that a, I mean, that was the same hammer, at least stylistically the same hammer Robert carried. Is that, do I remember that correctly?
2: Yeah, Robert wielded a hammer. I don't think, I'm not sure what it looks like. They've never really, I think he actually has it in like season one. They show him having it, like holding it. Um, And I think it may have been more square, but yeah, there's like his whole thing of killing Rhaegar Targaryen in the Trident, and he smashed Rhaegar's breastplate with the hammer, and Mm. smashed all the rubies and sapphires on the armor into the Trident, and made a lot of soldiers very rich men who collected the rubies from the Trident. Mm.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. I guess, Todd, what do you think? baller AF. (laughs) <laughs> no, there is a great There is a great artist depiction of that scene in the uh, world of ice and fire book just a beautiful illustration of these two guys horseback and you got robert with the antler sort of helmet on like with his giant ass hammer and rhaegar with mm-hmm. his sword just like clashing it looks killer looks amazing um todd what do you think gendry's or gendry's rather um end game here is do you why bring him back at this juncture
1: oh I have no idea. <laughs> I uh, I mean, is that just fan service? Emily, do you have an idea on that?
2: I, I think we've talked about this in the fan theories um, episode that we did about Gendry, of that he is a pretty accomplished smith. And now that yeah. they have this mountain of driving glass, they're going to need someone to help make these weapons for them. And so I think that's going to be his ultimate purpose. Is he's going to be, you know, this sort of Hephaestus-like yeah. character of outfitting the the armies of the living with these dragon glass um, swords and, you know, shields and whatever else, knives. Um, but I, I think he's just kind of like a companion to John too, to, to show that you don't need to be true-born, or I guess we know John is now, but, you know, that, that you're... Your parentage doesn't define you, and I just—I yeah. mean, I just really like it. Like, he, and I think him and Arya are probably going to hook it up. But that would be cool. Other than that, I think no, he'll just Smith like a bunch of 14 stuff.
1: Fourteen years old. Uh, <laughs> no, I—I no, I do remember that your Smith theory, and I like that. Um, I just wonder that when he kind of like flat out rejects it and joins them on the East Watch party, uh, if you know, if that's the direction for him. And so that's where I don't know. I think maybe there's something about him. Uh, maybe there's a way of him turning down the, you know, the, like the inheritance of the crown or something. I don't know. I'm reaching here. Um, I, mean, he I, I, I think there's be- some lessons he teaches John there about being a bastard and not really caring about, you know, what you inherit. Maybe he teaches Daenerys those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we should segue right there to Eastwatch. Let's do it. Well, let's do
0: it. And let me jump in with a, a quick little theory. You know, we got the return of Bora... <laughs> <laughs> at, at uh, Dragonstone for all of, like, 30 seconds. And then he's like, I'm off again, which is a little <laughs> bit... I was like, really? I thought... I mean, I I don't know who said it last week, but um, I like the idea of him becoming her new hand after Tyrion's failures. I, kinda, I thought that would have been a much better sort of route for him. So I'm like, why bring him back just to send him off again unless you are looking for a proof... I'm just going to call it the proof zombie to haul back <laughs> to King's Landing and show everybody... To just get anybody, you know, any any random White Walkers, probably not the – I just don't see how that's going to work. However, what if Jorah ends up getting bitten or, you know, <laughs> like half-turned or something? A point, well, a zombie. Well, whatever <laughs> to the point where he can – he's a zombie but he can control it or maybe they there's still some humanity in there where he can – you know, they can bring him back. I think you know, it, it would make really good dramatic sense to have Danny see him in that state.
1: Yeah, um, that's all I want now. Yeah,
0: like,
1: yeah, and is, just, I, I and I want like this moment where he looks down as it's he's slowly turning white and he's like, wah, wah, and he, <laughs> he kind of shrugs, not again, sad. But yeah, it's just like, it,
0: what else is he? I mean, are you you're either going to give him a heroic moment on the field where he dies, or that's like, why just bring any random White Walker back? Why not make it one of the guys who's part of that party? um that wonderful wonderful dungeons and dragons party that's now formed i was just like as soon as as soon as they got to the prison i just in my head i was just like gendry warrior level seven has joined your party Doris of Mir, cleric level 14 has joined your party and just like now, i mean it it was just exactly that um you know there wasn't really any reason like why are you joining the party? It doesn't matter. They just are. Now we're off to we're off to fight some White Walkers. I just i I both love that, but also it's kind of like it was one more example of let's just gloss over this and get these guys out out past the wall. It doesn't really matter. We're just why not? You know?
1: Yeah, this is I definitely mean, not where when we saw the preview of them in the circle, you know, with uh, uh um the sword flaming sword yeah this is not the mission i thought they would be on <laughs> no
0: right not at all like i kind of thought they would have there been a much more deliberate or more epic reason for them being together and even like even thoris of Mir was like yeah we don't you know that will be revealed in time i guess it doesn't matter why we're all going to where we're going i just kind of thought at least tell them what you guys are up to like you know at least you know the hound could have been like we're going there because of of this and instead it was just like no one really knows we're just hooking up to they're just gonna
2: go i mean go. i stand by my theory about jorah of that in the in the prophecy of Zora high of like these three things um that how the how lightbringer is formed of that um he first toiled on it for five days or then plunged it in the water and it broke then he stabbed it in the heart of a lion and it broke and then his wife asked him to stab her in the heart and use the passion from her heart as the flame i still think that is his end game like that danny mm. to become because I, I believe danny is azor High. i think to, for her to become azor ahai she will that jorah will sacrifice himself in that manner for her oh, to, wow. to forge Lightbringer. Um, wow so that is my theory about Jorah. The other thing is just like, it's kind of, even if he doesn't die right now, he's still, you know, when he goes back to Danny, hopefully that this plan works, he can be like, look, this shit is real. Like I saw them. Yeah. Like we Ooh. need to help them.
1: That's well, a good point too. Yeah. One of the yeah. things I'd forgotten about that was in the after show was Benioff and Weiss talking about like way back in season one or whatever, when John sees that white in Castle Black, they actually mm-hmm. cut its hand off to send that back. To- yeah like uh, Robert or Joffrey or whoever was King at that it point Joffrey, to, yeah. to prove like this is a real threat. So mm-hmm. I, but, but hearing about it in the show, it was like, man, I never would have remembered that. I don't, <laughs> why are you bringing a whole body back? It seemed like a weird proof. There. Yeah. But I really, I, well,
2: yeah. Cause it I mean, didn't move anymore. Right. Like, but because it was cut from the body because I was talking with Peter about this, Of like, well, why didn't they just do that? Like bring a head or something. It's like, well, I think it has to stay on the person to, to continue to reanimate.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh let's I guess finish up by talking about Littlefinger's stupid plan. Um
2: <laughs> I don't
0: I, I honestly don't know what the hell this is. Again, it's one more scene and I'm like, do we need this? Do we like, yeah, granted he doesn't have many many end games left. So like, you know, maybe his maybe his whole deal is I'll sow some chaos between these sisters. <laughs> but I you will never convince me that Sansa and Arya aren't playing him like there's no none of that makes any it doesn't make any sense that Arya master assassin didn't know she was being snuck up up you know up on by him or that he was watching her like she would know that by now it doesn't make any sense that Sansa wouldn't tell her like i feel like there's another there's a yeah. coda to that bedroom scene with Arya and Sansa where she's like hey before you go have you been keeping an eye on Littlefinger because he's creeping me the hell out? I and mean, we need to team up and and or maybe there's a scene with Bronn being like, "Hey, you guys need to keep an eye on him. He's gonna try some shit, and we need to we need to start <laughs> unite the Starks and shut him down." Like, I just don't see what this is other than a really fun way to put him in his place in the final episode of the Ned's head, which is this weekend.
1: Hopefully, Hopefully. I don't. Yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense to me why Arya would fall for this. Like, why, I mean, the you know. Uh, yeah she she already hates cersei there, i don't know why she would believe this planted note over you know <laughs> like it just seems like she would she would doubt cersei enough to think she made uh sansa write that so
0: yeah I, I like, emily know. you mentioned something about the showrunners though on oh this.
2: yeah i didn't understand this scene until i watched the about the episode or whatever later I just felt like she's just and I I couldn't my handwriting myself is really bad so I couldn't really read the handwriting yeah right and so I thought originally I thought it was the note that that I mean I was partially right that Sansa wrote to Catelyn to say that Ned was dead but I forgot that Catelyn was already not there she was already Mm. going off to do something else um and so it I mean it's the same thing really that that Sansa had was made to write this letter to tell Rob to come to Ben and me. but I think it I mean it is a stupid plan like I feel like Arya will be like um I get it Cersei made her write this but it does kind of so you can already tell like I wanted to talk about this other scene with Arya and Sansa of where Arya's like being is just a creepy weirdo now too like Bran just like she doesn't say much she just kind of like lurks in in shadows and like doorways and stuff which is fine she's an assassin I get that but like if she's watching Glover and I like my first when Glover opens his mouth I would say shut up Glover because usually he says <laughs> stuff that's mean against Sansa but this time I was I was too quick because he said like you know we maybe we should have elected you and then roy yeah. stands up and says the same thing and yeah. so i and then and then the aria comes up into sansa's face and is all like why would you let them say those bad things about john and i'm like or you could just be happy that your family's bannermen respect your sister as a rule uh,
1: totally yeah. i like, think totally that was those...
2: so weird to me
1: right and it's it, i i don't this is one of those problems of when when they take seasons to reunite people uh, I I would just think char- like characterization wise neither of these both of these women would understand they're not the woman they were mm-hmm. six years ago when they left each other. Well, we had a whole yeah.
0: scene last week uh, that showed exactly that. <laughs> like right, yeah. exactly. But so, Arya
2: is like still like oh you like nice things like that. She feel yeah. like that maybe okay. she's kind of gotten too deep into this. She suspects everyone kind of stuff of that. She thinks that Sansa is doing this on purpose. I see so that so that's my thing about Littlefinger's plan is that maybe she knows Cersei wrote it, but I have a sister too in real life. And I know that there's some little things that stay with you of that. Mm -hmm. There's some little bitternesses there that can grow and grow and grow, even if they're out of nothing. And so I think his plan might not have been the, the, you know, most brilliant, but I think that there will come a day when, when Sansa and Arya have to like really have to talk about, all this kind mm. of stuff but my other thing about this whole scene with them was like i love the aria's initial reaction was like i'm just gonna murder these two people like um <laughs> yeah. no please don't like she needs their armies but she was just like i'm gonna murder them and also just like uh, uh, please please that was They're a little reckless
0: i mean that was a yeah. little bit just like did jock and hagar teach you nothing like yeah. why are you yeah but,
2: like, like she really has like very little end game i think she kind of missed that like once she killed Walter Frey, she just has no she has no other end game besides killing cersei and so i don't yeah. think she's learned to play the game so much as she should have as sansa has all these years
0: yeah. well on yeah. that note um let's wrap up uh next week we have the ned's head episode although it may not be a ned's head because of the truncated season yeah i don't think um, so <laughs> something could happen something could not happen it's going to be great i mean at the very least we're going to get some white walker action i think for sure
1: um well i left that quote for you both to see which was in this interview with joe dempsey who plays gendry he said episode six uh will make uh he said episode four was insane enough but episode six may even take it up a notch that's awesome so i think he oh, was god, was just brought back to be part of the magnificent Seven.
2: Oh my god that's oh. Two. Did you straight see my tweet? All, yeah, I'm stealing all. emily's tweet. Okay.
1: Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Because that in my mind I was like I had to count them.
2: I'm like okay, is there seven? Okay, great. That's what I'm. No, to. I
1: love I love all these things. I saw seven psychopaths. I saw the seven samurai. <laughs> I saw the Magnificent Seven. I
2: love
1: it. Oh, I can't
2: <laughs> wait! I
0: can't wait for the after episode where they reference exactly that. Like we wanted to do our own version of like that's exactly what it's gonna be. I got there's so much I learned this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes. We we covered quite a few cool little facts and theories and. All kinds of twists and turns. So hopefully you
1: guys um, also enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was a good follow up to last week's. We don't always get that, so this was good.
0: Yeah, definitely. Emily, where can folks find you online?
2: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Emily Kelly. You can also listen to my podcast here on the There Network. It's Fan Theories. It's once a month. We just had um, our July podcast, which is Harry Potter. We have not decided what we will do for August. We actually would love to hear from some of the listeners of the show or this show if you have any suggestions of things that we should cover, whether it's a single um, solitary topic sort, such as um, Harry Potter or like abroad, like the MCU. Uh, we, did, we, we do all kinds. So please yell at me about those things. Um, thanks. Thanks for
1: listening. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, where can folks find us and all good things there? Oh, you should find all of these podcasts at findusthere.org. And we are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all these other wonderful places as find us there. Um, and please, we will be, uh, you know, we tweet out and we Facebook out about new podcasts and podcasts that we've done that week. And so please find us there and join the conversation. Indeed.
0: Well, it's been a great Wednesday in Westeros. To you both, I bid you a Zora high.
1: And seven blessings, Taylor.
2: Seven blessings, bitches.